You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Branded content is nothing new. Neither is the question of how to do it right, however. Though it's been around since the dawn of advertising, the code has never quite been cracked when it comes to this slippery, though effective ad style. One thing is universally accepted. Audiences are no less savvy now than they ever were when it comes to how ads are being fed to them. In fact, they are likely more savvy than ever before. With content options at a historical peak, audiences have no patience for, well, pretty much anything that they don't want. Forgetting that you're watching an ad is the key to success in the branded content game. No one wants a sneaky shout out that undermines the ostensible purpose of the content and cheapens a viewing experience that should be fun. To that end, Airbnb recently backed a well-received documentary called Gay Chorus Deep South. The film never explicitly mentions Airbnb. The press surrounding the film has in droves though, with the stated line that Airbnb chose to produce the film because its premise was in line with Airbnb's values. In the end, what matters is that people watched it, and the people that watched it invariably heard the words Airbnb and values paired together. Of course, branded content is not just about the movies, but it is about stories. Whether it's the Coors Light Artist series, branded journalism, like the type that is pumped out of the Washington Post WP branded studio, or Poetry and Paint, a Canadian cultural series that focuses on creative types with Toronto as the backdrop, The stories are what drive the brand message. So who's doing it right? What's next for branded content and how can your brand get in on the action? Version Control presents Non-Branded Branded Content. Welcome back to Version Control. We're back in the podcast room. It's me, Ivana. We've got Nick. Say hi. Oh, I had to say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott. Hi. The regular team. And today we're talking branded content. So let's start with, first of all, what is branded content? I think we're going to have differing opinions yeah. on this. Uh, we were talking about this offline a little bit, um, but I struggled a little bit with this topic because there is not much of a distinction between advertising and branded content. I really do think that that's a, a bit of like a soft euphemism for or a hot buzzword these days that people are using to mask that they're creating advertisements. And I, it's weird because like, why are they shying away from it? Right? Just lean right into it. I think sort of like we talked about in the intro it's that you want to be you know conveying a message as a brand with an experience whatever that may be without knowing without having the audience necessarily think that they're in an advertisement do you know what I, uh, is that a bad way to put that no that's that's kind of like my understanding of what differentiates branded content from like i guess regular entertainment mm-hmm. although now that I think about it, almost all regular entertainment has advertising baked in in some facet. But my understanding of branding content is it's entertaining for the sake of to be. It's entertaining. My understanding of branded content is it's entertaining for the sake of being entertaining first. Mm-hmm. And viewers would 
be able to watch it and they would consider it something that they would watch either way. Mm-hmm. And if they do notice that it, there's advertising or that it is an advertisement, they kind of forgive that because they're like, I'm really enjoying this either way. So yeah, I get it. This is like a big Nike thing, but I want to actually watch it. So it's not necessarily sneaky, but if it's done right, you don't consider the brand that's bringing you the content in the first place. I would say so. But you walk away, you know, still having recognized it. Mm -hmm. And I think most consumers are pretty like aware that our world revolves around advertising and that it takes ad dollars to make content. So Mm -hmm. if it's done well and it's entertaining, then they're going to be okay with that ad placement or the support of a brand creating that content. But one of the, I mean, this term branded content is such a, it's such a buzzword lately that a lot of sort of companies and brands are kind of throwing it around. And so with it comes, um, you know, a lot of these articles that are talking about quote unquote best practices. And one of the things that a lot of these best practices articles are preaching is the authenticity and and coming out and coming right out and saying, this is brought to you by X brand right even before they start. So I mean, in one way, they're they're not tricking you, but and, and all I'm saying is that why not just call it an ad? Like, why not just call a spade a spade? It's it, it's an ad. It, why is ad such a bad word these days? Right? Because I think the general audience, when they hear the word ad, they think of crappy billboards and like bus seat posters for like real estate agents. And yeah, stuff. And, and they think <laughs> of a the holdover from a past era of interruption advertisement that you know everyone always wished that they could skip through commercials and now we live in an era where you can so um it's just finding a new creative solutions to actually get that stuff in front of an audience i think i I mean i like quote-unquote branded content but i i just look at it all as ads and i'm just like a fan of really good ads Mm -hmm. i i think i like the the trouble that i was having trying to find good examples or bad examples of branded content is like every time you look for something, you know, right. Well, that's just an ad, yeah. right? Like what, what is differentiating this Airbnb film from an Airbnb commercial? Well, I think that's, that brings it back to what we've heard referred to as mission based. That's air quotes <laughs> for those who cannot see me, which is everyone other than Scott and Nirvana or ethos based brand marketing, which is, um, you know, with the, Airbnb movie, which is uh, Gay Chorus Deep South, it, the, the stated purpose for creating it was that it aligned with Airbnb's values, which were community, travel, human rights, apparently, to some extent. I don't really know where Airbnb fits in there, but <laughs> so the, that's the, the stated purpose for creating it. How it ties back to Airbnb is that I suppose you you know, get to Airbnb at some point through the publications surrounding it. Have you seen that movie? I've not, no. Have Apparently it's pretty that? good, though. No, but I mean, I think it kind of follows the practices of awareness advertising, though, mm-hmm. right? Is like align your brand with a statement or a mission, um, whether that's visually or through some sort of emotional connection. But really, you're still advertising your brand through awareness of a particular subject, and again, that's why I struggle. Like, why? What's the difference between branded content and an ad? Then, because there's there's awareness advertising. Is that branded content? Is there? Are we just? Did we just make up a word to mask that? To like, so 
to oh 100 percent. we're yeah. advertisers so we were like how do we advertise branded content in a way that doesn't sound like ads mm-hmm. but that's what's weird about it is like now there's people that are actively trying to separate the two and i'm saying why right mm-hmm. like it's an ad just just lean into it i mean just make a good ad as opposed to it could also be that clients like it too mm-hmm. like they probably like the sound of it better because they think that their audiences are going to like it better which they probably do. I, it might be one of those echo bubble things. Yeah. Like if we walked out on the street right now and we're like, hey, Jimbo, what do you <laughs> think of this branded content piece? Jimbo is going to look like, is going to be like, I don't even know what those mean. Like Definitely. not to take anything away from good old Jimbo, but like, I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is like the, the term branded content is very inside baseball for the marketing industry, I would say. And I think that kind of goes back to what you're saying about the type of branded content that is very subtle or that doesn't tout what brand it's from. Um, I think the intention for those pieces is that within the industry and like through PR, that's how they'll spread that, oh, this was made by Spotify or Reebok or whatever the brand is. Um, But for like the general audiences, it's not obvious to them. So that makes me wonder like, oh, is this actually making an impact and selling product to the people who are watching? Or is this just like, kind of like an ad award play, you know? Yeah. And forgive me for not knowing this, but is there a branded content award? Because that to me is just like laughable, right? (laughs) True. (laughs) Like, is that a thing now too? The Oscars. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. But isn't all of this, even the fact that we're talking about this Airbnb movie, it generated some buzz. You know what I mean? Even if it's not necessarily novel, it feels novel. And to the point that we're talking about it. Yeah. No, I think it worked as an, as a piece of advertising, Mm. right? And maybe it's just down to semantics or whatever. And like we were talking about before, maybe it's like sort of like this made up term to kind of hide it. Um, But if that's the case, then I think like as an industry, we need to be real with ourselves and say, there is no difference between branded content and ads. No, like we, we shouldn't stick our nose up at, at, at branded content if we make ads and vice versa. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think brand content is a type of ad. It's yeah. like saying, oh. But, yeah, but what about when it's a feature-length movie that ostensibly has nothing to do with the brand? Is that still an ad? I would say, yeah. I mean, that's a form of advertising. Yeah. So, but like, I, what, what's an example? Like, that's what I'm trying to think of. It's really tough to find an example of like a feature-length movie that is actually a piece of branded content, like a good piece well the lego movie that's an ad i again like i think like (laughs) (laughs) like i like we talked about it i think we talked about it before on a podcast like a great piece of advertising that the lego movie 2 did was they put the lego movie on youtube for free right Mm -hmm. and everybody could watch it and like that's an ad like that's not branded content that's not a video like that's a full-on ad to watch well at the risk of going in circles gay chorus deep south then yeah because at no point it doesn't say Airbnb's deep or gay chorus deep south. It doesn't say. But Airbnb made a significant effort to make everybody know that they made that film. Not Jimbo on the street. But the question is then: if Jimbo on the street watches it and likes it, does he come back to Airbnb? And how does he come back to Airbnb? That's fair. I'll give you that. I mean, but at the same time. Because Jimbo, and, and apologies to Jimbo. I mean, we're just using him as a hypothetical here. Well, there's never been a Jimbo in Canada ever, I don't think. So. Fair enough. Um, but if he, if that actually works for him, I mean, it, it is an ad. 
do, like I, I, it's so weird to me like and I think that's where I struggle the most with it is like I feel like we're just made uh, and by we I mean like the collective marketing industry have like made this layer so it's almost like we don't have to talk about what we swept under the rug right. but it's an ad come on mm-hmm. <laughs> like and like it's a they're some of them are really really good so Shopify, we know, yep. has created its own studio and all of their theme is anyone who's an entrepreneur. Does that make you want to use Shopify or just want to watch the content? Tough to say, but it's a creative way to get you onto the Shopify channels. I think what it's doing is it's aligning the brand with consumers. Right. Right. And again, to, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's like the core beginning of awareness advertising is aligning your brand with something people already believe in. Mm-hmm. It's not a product, it's not a line, it's not a button, it's like just a feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's also smart because like the product that they offer is for entrepreneurs and if they're creating content that is highlighting the stories of these creators, then that's going to speak to those who would obviously be interested in using Shopify for themselves. So mm-hmm. it's smart on their behalf. Um, but I was thinking about like the growth of brand and content in terms of like long form and creating films. And I don't know, I'm sure this has already happened, but I guess one positive side of it, um, for like the small guy for creators is I guess if you have an awesome story that you want to tell, you have an awesome idea for a movie you want to make and say it's about mountains or something outdoorsy you could take that and go to north face and be like hey like i have this idea can you sponsor it and then they'll be able to align with that give you money give you the funding so maybe there's like a double edged like opportunity there for both sides of people that's interesting like like co-branded yeah uh entertainment maybe and again i just made up another term <laughs> like but i mean in the end it's like it's an ad about everything mm-hmm. right like I, I i think that's really cool when they do that and it makes a lot of sense and that's how we get really good entertainment um i think yeah it's just like it's, i just find it really weird how it's just like it's not an ad it's branded content so if it's a brand like shopify what do you think about them even using sort of the ethos based content as you know, an umbrella that they work under rather than just saying we're making videos about people who use Shopify. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if that's a mission statement from within the company and it makes them feel better, then that's great. Um, but I mean, I don't, from a consumer standpoint, right. And again, I take it back to Jimbo. Jimbo watches a Pepsi commercial. Jimbo watches a Shopify film. It's the same thing for him. Like, I think it is because in one way you're saying buy Pepsi in the other way you're saying we get that you're a consumer we have a product that helps people sell stuff online right and I'm not taking anything away from Shopify I think it's great that they do it and they have these options to do it but at the end of the day they're still making ads so is it the same thing or is it two parallel things that lead to the same endpoint? I think it's just two methods of, of advertising yeah it's also probably the brand's way to play the long game like we know that entertainment is everything um and with the growth of like all of these giants like netflix and disney and like everyone's starting to create their own studios a company like shopify that is digital that has potential to lead into these other spaces it makes sense like that they would want to maybe lead into content creation because who knows what that can lead to I think it's really smart. 
I really do that, that, that they're doing these things and that they're creating their own pieces because they can own it and like they can control it and they can really kind of guide that narrative to the way that they want it to go. Um, but I think, yeah, I just, I don't think they're fooling anybody is basically what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. And, and, and to be honest, that's a good thing. Like if they're trying to actively fool people, I mean, Jimbo's a lot smarter than we give him credit <laughs> for. I think it drives creativity as well because nobody is going to Shopify studios just to watch Shopify videos. Sorry, Shopify. Don't mean to drag, knock, knock Shopify by any means. But they are going to Shopify studios to say, I want to be inspired as an entrepreneur. So it's just another way to get you there and another way to continue to push the creativity to make great stories that people actually want to watch. Mm-hmm. And it also, like, what I do love about this fact that a lot of these brands are, are creating in-house studios is they're able to tell the story that they want to tell. A lot of times when you're going, there's, there's a, I think there's a good and the bad with going with a, con, a creative consultant, for lack of a better term, or like a, a production company or something like that. One, you're paying for somebody to understand something that you already know, which in some ways is valuable because you're getting a different perspective. But in the other ways, you're just like, I'm paying to teach you something that I already know what's going to work. So I, I completely understand it from, from both sides. Um, I think that there's actually room for both though. I really do. And like, I, I love the fact that some of these big brands are creating studios within because they're able to kind of get, get things off the ground. Um, I think I talked about it before in like the whole Pepsi studio before that made like the uncle drew, feature film. There's an example of like mm-hmm. feature film uh, that kind of worked. Um, I think it's great because there's no like traditional ad agency that could do that. But at the same time, like it only works for Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's the cool thing about when they're creating these production studios is they're doing things that where it only works for that particular brand. And if you have an angle like that, I think it's really valuable to, to produce these things in house. If you don't, I think it still makes a lot of sense to go to an outside vendor and, and get somebody to create things for you because of that exact thing. Like your brand doesn't necessarily lend itself to like a very unique production or message or, or anything like that. Like it's very translatable. Here's a theoretical for you. Hypothetical. If would you rather watch a sort of abstract concept film that you know is branded like gay chorus deep south for airbnb you know it's like not airbnb but you know that it is airbnb Mm -hmm. so would you rather watch that or would you watch rather watch a film that has nothing to do with the brand whatsoever but has commercial breaks in a theater Ooh, in a theater i'd go with the with the airbnb option okay right fair enough and like i I don't have a problem with it being a branded ad i i like I just think it's uh, my whole point is like I just think it's really weird how we've created this category that shouldn't be a category. It's an ad. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on. Um, we're talking about branded content and brands that create this content, but influencers are their own brands, and a lot of them, like I mean, they are them their own brand, but their whole thing is creating content. So, does that count as branded content? Where does that stand in this in this? environment i think yeah again that kind of comes back to semantics right like 
one way, again, people that are very, very close to this particular industry will look at an influencer who's opening a new cell phone and say, that's branded content. They're opening this phone and they're doing it. Jimbo watches that six minute video on YouTube. It's like, that's cool commercial for Samsung, mm-hmm. right? It's the same, I, I like, I feel like it's the same thing. And like, uh, but I think it's great. Like either bo- doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it is. It's still working. I saw, I watched a, uh, Rosalia video, which is, she's not an influencer, but she's a rising Spanish pop star uh, today. And just a quick flash, there was a quick flash, sorry, of a, um, a Revlon bottle, I think it was, as she was painting her nails. But it was just like extreme close up on the bottle for just like a second. And I think it's the same thing, whereas if you were watching it with a keen eye, like I was watching it and it was like, it cheapened the whole video for me. I was like, okay, great. This is a this is a nail polish ad now. But for anyone else watching it, the experience wouldn't have changed at all. Not anyone else, but a lot of most people would, would have just been like, it showed a makeup bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so what about so you guys both gave examples of influencers recruiting content with brands in their content, like they're sponsoring a product or um, partnering with a brand. But if, if influencers are their own brand and say, um, if we're talking influencers, like think beyond just Instagram models, think like the people who, like Jeffree Star, who has like a makeup line and like a product line, he sells merch, like he's, he's, he's selling product, like he's a company, he's his own brand. And then he was to go and create a movie that maybe like talks about LGBTQ and it's like this crazy documentary brought to you by Jeffree Star. That's branding content. That's a big ad for his brand. Like influencers are doing it too. That being said, because their brand is creating content, maybe it's seen as like more acceptable than when other brands do it, which I think is really interesting. Like influencers really have a big hand above some brands because mm-hmm. of that connection they have with their audiences. Even though they are brands themselves. Absolutely. So it's like it's sneaky, but it's that authenticity I, and but it's it's a funny thing because when you put it that way i, I had that sort of like meta yeah. inception moment thinking well they are brands themselves so it's no different from just celebrities being in a movie in general and saying well this is a tom cruise movie yeah because tom cruise yeah, is the brand he's definitely running yeah he's definitely running but you say this is a new mission impossible but it's also a tom cruise movie right. so it's just like you know, branded content within branded content within branded content. <laughs> but I like, I love it. Like mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day, it's like, it's all like super entertaining. And I, I, I don't care that they're shilling products or, or, or services or whatever. I think whatever kind of gives us the access to be entertained, let's do it. Whether mm-hmm. it's an influencer or whether it's a Tom Cruise movie, like we did, we, well, we don't have to call it anything. <laughs> it's so weird. But like I get the uh, I get the influencer angle. I think that's that's more of like a cultural shift. That's more like a modern way of of, of advertising these days. My question is like, what's next? Like when mm-hmm. because we we kind of alluded to it in a podcast before, and like the 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 giant influencers are going to stay around, but the middle level influencers seem to be dying off, and now it's all about these micro influencers. But like when influencer um, mentality is kind of cooled its jets, like what's the next thing? What's the next kind of way that people are going to you know sometimes hide the fact that they're advertising, or just going to full on lean into it and advertise with that particular thing? Well, that's I think. 
I mean, it's not next because it's happening now, but I just think the evolution of branded content, I know you don't like that word, Scott, but we're going to use it for the sake of this podcast and this discussion. Branded content is next because in, in terms of creating entertainment for the sake of entertainment and then using brands to sponsor or fund those things because we're surrounded by all of these giants like Netflix and Disney and everyone's creating. There's so much entertainment that why would I watch... Um, content that has an ad when there's so many SVOD pro, like platforms where I can watch amazing entertainment. There's so much content, so much quantity. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the way. Like mm-hmm. It's also so much content means that sort of saturation would necessarily mean lower returns from traditional productions uh, outlets. So brands will necessarily have to get involved, I think, to continue making all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, I do like when brands are embracing the like the lower barrier to entry creatives where i and know in the intro you mentioned like bmw films and that kind of was i get the height where they were getting like guy Ritchie to direct films and stuff like that which is cool but now you see brands like coca-cola who are just kind of like here's a cool video by some dude that made it on tiktok we like him (laughs) i'm like that's what i think is super cool like and that that they're just as powerful as guy Ritchie was i guess 20 years ago so is that the end of the era of the guy Ritchies in that case i don't think it's the end um but i think it's pushing brands to work a little harder they can't just be like we're gonna throw a bunch of money at a celebrity because this other little brand which is doing it really smart can just go and find a bunch of these little micro influencers or like ivana was saying like finding these like other different ways to do to insert their brand into different types of advertising in a much smarter more targeted way i think to me like it's the it's the targeting that's that's kind of the future of this thing Mm -hmm. they're playing to the audiences like um younger audiences all the kids that are coming up i don't think they care about these big name directors like if a film were to come out and it's like oh there's this big actor a-list and there's this big director they don't care because kids nowadays are all growing up surrounded by these opportunities where they can be their own little star and like shine and be famous for five minutes on social so they want to see others like them be the stars they like you just said that example like they want to see coca-cola bring to light little timmy little little jimbo (laughs) basically (laughs) um because then it's like oh i could do that and and they want to support that right like we've talked about it before how viewers are more likely or more okay with watching an ad to get to the video if it's of a creator that they support because they get it Mm -hmm. It's almost like when it comes to branding content, if you're going to be um, very explicit about, um, hi, we are this brand X and we are presenting this to you, you have to be a brand that already has a lot of love and trust. However, if you don't, maybe you're a newer brand or you don't have that um, dedicated audience and target base, then you have to be a little bit more subtle about it and hope that it kind of gets through the grapevine that, oh, this brand created that and it was really awesome, that amazing movie that all the teeny boppers loved and then they'll kind of discover you. Mm-hmm. seems like that might be the, the way to play it. Yeah. Well, it even harkens back to, um, I think it was last year when you and I worked on that project with a quote-unquote celebrity chef. I mean, on one hand, through the traditional definition of, of what it is, it, it was quote-unquote branded content but it's re- it was really just ads for this food company we were working with, right? It w- and it was just a different way of explaining it. But 
I thought that was really, really smart because that was a very particular chef that they chose with a very particular brand message that aligned really, really closely for what that food mm-hmm. product or that food brand actually was uh, or is. So like, again, call it what you want to call it. It's still really good in entertainment, right? It's mm-hmm. valuable and entertaining stuff. So, so the, I think in conclusion, as long as we have fun watching it, then, yeah. that, then it's good. And, yeah. And if we don't, then it's bad. Yeah. I also just think it's weird when, when brands hide it. Yeah. Like that's that I find as a consumer. And again, this is just, just, just me like pretending, but if I'm Jimbo and, and a brand pretends to not sell me something. And then I find out later that they are selling me something. It's, way more detrimental than if a brand comes right out and says, hi, I'm this brand. I'm trying to sell you this. Here's some entertaining piece of content. So are you talking more about like ad placement? Because when, when not placement necessarily, when, is a, when does a brand create awesome content and not want people to know that it was them? That doesn't happen. Really? Like, like when, like what you're talking about is when they're being hidden or sneaky about it. I feel mm-hmm. like is ad placement or like subliminal messaging. Well, I would say even, I mean, again, I haven't watched the Airbnb example, but because they're not actively saying that's true that they're, they're doing it. So yeah, I guess that one's a little, that one sits a little bit weird with me and I don't know a lot about it. Um, but it's not like Airbnb is a LGBTQ. I mean, they can say that they support that community, but like, it seems kind of like a far stretch for them. Huge stretch. Was there pushback or like, or backlash for that? Not that I know of, but then again, I mean, executive producer money could have always come from anywhere at any That's point. True. So it, you can, I presumably just watch this movie and don't even ever go to Airbnb or care about Airbnb in any way and still enjoy it. So I yeah. like it from that perspective personally. I don't know if it's effective as a marketing tool, but as long as these things are getting made and we enjoy yeah. them, I, I dig that. Yeah. Story's uh, still being told. Yeah. Tell a good story. Be super entertaining. Don't hide it. Respect the hustle. So I was looking for some weekly wins topics. If you don't know what the weekly wins are, head over to poundinggrain.com, the mustard. Ooh, nice plug. <laughs> Branded content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know how Uber Eats or Uber or any apps, they'll give you like invitation codes to try to get more friends um, to join the platform and then you get like a little discount. So TikTok is doing the same thing and basically they're having these things called TikTok rewards which will allow you to accumulate points like TikTok points for every um, friend or basically person that you invite to the platform and for them however many points you accumulate you get little discount coupons for a whole bunch of like um, stores and restaurants that they've partnered with something between like five to fifteen dollars so they've got gift cards for starbucks uber sephora dunkin donuts burger king target um so it's i think it's a clever way of them trying to to grow their their platform because people are already going to be asking people to join because they're like look at this meme i found so if they do it with their code then they're going to get some free donuts i think it's genius yeah. it certainly couldn't hurt anything that's for sure I, I do worry a little bit about like somebody's going to create a bot that's just going to be creating TikTok accounts from here until the end of time just so they can buy a whole bunch of Dunkin' Donuts though. Oh shoot, you shouldn't have said that on the pod, man. You <laughs> should have started that. But I, I, I like the uh, the referral reward system. I, I think I 
like I think everybody here uses those food apps whether it's Ritual or Foodora or Uber Eats and stuff like that. And that's like the biggest one. It's mm-hmm. like refer a friend and get five dollars. That makes it kind of just plays right into behavior that's already baked into our psyche. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious watching people try to get uh, you know, finagle some rewards. Like two of our designers, when Andre <laughs> went over to our junior designer Ksenia and was like, Hey Ksenia, do you use ritual? You really should. <laughs> <laughs> did she do it? Yeah, she did it. That's but amazing. it just it started out as some sort of like altruistic like, hey, here's this fun service that you should try. And then I found out that he got like five thousand extra points for signing her up. But I guess it's a win win. I think so. Yeah. He put on a sales hat for it, though. I think that's a a great method of creating mini brand ambassadors is give them all TikTok points. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah. Good find. I'll go next. My Respect the Hustle this week is Canon, the camera maker. So um, for you camera heads out there, Canon uh, has the G7 X line and they recently released the G7X3 and the big difference between this camera and any other camera is it is also set up to record vertical videos. And it looks so retro. It looks very retro. Um, It's a digital camera. It's super powerful. It takes very, very clear video. But the reason why I think this is really, really smart is because of just the mobile phone culture and the fact that people are creating vertical videos like there's no end to tomorrow. Um, I think it's going to be I, I like I respect Canon a lot for this. I don't think it's going to sell all that well, but I think they've started something here. It begs the question. I mean, if that's all you're doing, why not just use your phone? There is a well because you can't attach a lens to your phone necessarily as a lens like Canon's lens. Necessarily. True. Okay. Um, the recording options are you have a lot more flexibility with a true camera, which I'll, I'll definitely give Canon that. I convenience wise, Nick, you're completely right. There's a there's Definitely pros to just shooting things with a really powerful mobile phone, and they're, they're, they exist. Um, but I just think that like the fact that cell phones have influenced the camera world is really interesting these days. But it's also influencers have influenced the camera world, because I'm pretty sure the G7 6, I always hear that, because that's like the go- one of the go-to vlogger cameras. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Nick, like why don't they just use a phone? Because there are differences, like it records better audio. Um, but I know that these cameras have been uh, innovated and like updated to be like super quick with like Wi-Fi connection because they know people are capturing their vlogs and then they want to get it up and posted ASAP. So, so when you say it's going to capture vertical, um, you mean like you can hold the camera in portrait, but it'll shoot vertically? No. So what happens is you can flip the viewfinder vertically oh. and then it it shows you you basically you're you're filming in in vertical it basically flips the perspective yeah, of it so you can sense. record that way that's smart and so that they can see themselves and frame it up right yeah because it's it's exactly made for like selfie mm-hmm. um perspective i just think it's so interesting how it's like at one point a camera on a cell phone was like a luxury and it's mm-hmm. like oh cool you can take photos with this flip phone and now it's the exact opposite it's like oh you can take phone-like photos on this camera. I have a dumb question and I'm embarrassed to ask, but I can't be the only one that doesn't know this off the top of my head. Well, when, hopefully we know. <laughs> now we're really on the spot, thanks. When did vertical video start? Uh, I'd say about two years ago, it got really, really popular. But Snapchat. Was it Snapchat that I would began say so, it? yeah. And then Instagram, Instagram stories. Yeah. yeah. 
That's crazy. I mean, it was big on Vine as well, but oh, Vine didn't no. require it to be Vine vertical. Vine was more square, I think. Yeah, and yeah. like you could you could shoot vertical on Vine, but it wasn't a requirement. Whereas right. I think Snapchat was like in app. Why would anybody turn their phone to take a selfie? Like they right. they kind of figured that out really really well. Smart. Cool. It was pretty cool. I think I just heard a collective groan from all of the world's photographers as they saw that. But this is the way of the world. Get on the train or get off. Yep. Embrace it. Yeah. Next. So this this is a weird one, but my pseudo roommate who sits near me, who's senior designer Mark Cameron, turned to me one day and said, let's make a blog, a music review blog. And I said, why would we do that? But then I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. But it has to have a very particular slant. And that is that we want it to be like the humans of New York for album reviews. So it's 100% biased. <laughs> so it's anybody can, can, there's only, this is just a um, mock-up right now. The only one that's actually been created is the first one, which I wrote, which is about a country album that uh, I grew up listening to from my dad. So basically we, the end goal is that we want to keep it under a thousand words, anybody who is just a music nerd and wants to express their feelings about an album in their life for whatever reason, you just write it and then we're, we're going to feature it and then we're going to link it back to social media accounts. I want to write one. Of I'm course not, you do. I'm not a music nerd, but I know exactly what album I would write it about. See, I don't know if the thing has legs or not. It's 100% for fun. And the other thing that Mark and I both decided is that we don't want to we're lazy and we don't want to do much work on it. <laughs> so this is it. This is the concepts there. That's it. It's done. And then it we are hoping that enough nerds will hear about it and be like, sure. Yeah, I can write yeah. something. Why don't you tell us what it's called? It's called tone spork. Why? Uh, uh, Mark and I volleyed back and forth names for about five seconds and then landed on that. And there's no real particular reason, but can you can I take can I it. can I make up an origin story for it? Please. Tone for music spork because there's differing opinions on what a kitchen utensil could be. Great it's one. It's, Great one. It's beautiful. Yeah. I uh, want to submit. Have also, I sold? Have I sucked up enough that you're going to let me write for this thing? As a portmanteau, we haven't quite decided if it's tone spork or tones pork. <laughs> <laughs> tone spork. I think that's a that's a question for the social medias. It is a question for the social medias, and hopefully, I know that everyone in this room would like this idea yes. and say, yeah, awesome, I can write one of these things pretty quickly, and it'll be fun. Hopefully, a lot of the world says that, and also, what we really want to hammer home is that you don't have to be a great writer. You don't have to write poetry. This is just like, dump some thoughts and feelings in there, mm -hmm. and also, it's not for money. It's just for fun. Those are the best projects. And totally. it doesn't have to be uh, a recent album? No, this is, came out. This one that I did is a country album that came out in 1981. Oh, cool. And I've written three more. I did a Constantine's album, which came out in like the early 2000s, and a Tribe Called Quest album that came out in the early 90s. They take me about 10 minutes to write, so there's not much effort involved, and hopefully it's just going to be a fun little project that persists for a while. I love it. Thanks for listening to Version Control, non-branded, branded content. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.